On the weekend, the greatest heavyweight boxer of his generation, Tyson Fury, scored a razor-close split decision win over a man competing in his first professional boxing bout. Former UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou dropped Fury midway through the fight. He won several rounds. He almost pulled off the biggest upset in boxing history in front of a star-studded crowd in Saudi Arabia. The WBC champ Fury has scheduled a December fight uh, with IBF, WBO and WBA champ Alexander Yusef in an attempt to unify the titles. But as with most things in boxing, the waters suddenly get very murky around that now taking place. Discuss this, plus a few other boxing matters. Promoter extraordinaire, the great Dean Lonigan. Uh, Dino, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, sorry, this afternoon. Really grateful. Uh, Eddie Hearn reckons Ngannou won the fight. What were your initial thoughts? Look, it was a pretty close fight. There's no doubt about that. And I don't know what happened to Tyson Fury. I've been told by reasonably well-informed sources, being Joe Parker, who lives beside him, that he trained well, he sparred well, but uh, just had an off night at the office. And, and you'd have to say that's what it is. I agree with your assessment. He's the best of this generation. But to be bluntly honest, Tyson Fury might be the best boxer of all time. And I know after Saturday's or Sunday's performance, a lot of people would question that. We all have off nights and we all have off days. And I don't think for one second this is going to hurt the uh, Ursic versus Tyson Fury fight. I think you'll find it'll take place. That thing's signed. My guess is, and I don't know the numbers, but my guess is each guy's going to get a minimum of 50 million bucks per fight. And um, so, you know, that's another 100 million Tyson's back kick. And I don't know if you've seen the uh, At Home with the Furies. Tyson talks about his absolute need and love of boxing, and when he doesn't do it, he feels lost. And he also seems to like money, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, mate, I'm sure that Ursic versus Tyson Fury will happen. And, uh, you know, Francis Ngannou, he, he shocked the world with how good a performance that he put on. But I guess when you're six foot five and about 300 pounds, you're a big, strong unit. Mate, he's obviously been in combat sport before. He's super tough. He can take a punch and he can also hand him out. It was surprising to see Fury at the canvas. But he got up and got the judge's decision. At the end of the day, he just moved on. Yeah, and look, with, uh, with Fury as well, it's it, that, that battle, that standoff. I mean, clearly, if the Battle of the Rigs was what was going to be decided, then Ngannou had it all over him. But Tyson Fury's never had a rig, and he's always been able to produce. Some are saying he looked like he looked uh, short of a step or short of his, 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 form, his, his current self to a degree, because he is the world champ, but his, uh, his peak. What, 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 are we watch, watching the decline is the, the battle that always goes on with sport Dino you know what people say have they fought a fight too long what do you think about about oh, those kind of remarks well, I, I don't know in his last, in his last fight prior to this which was a long about a year ago perhaps was it Dylan White or was it uh, Derek Chisora one of the two I think it was Derek Chisora mate he won easily you know and his three fights against, against Wilder which he won or he won two of them I think through one of them uh, they're all-time classics, you know, and I think um, Tyson Fury's got a hell of a resume. Do I think he's gone one fight too long? Well, the only top, the only way we're going to find out is if he fronts up and fights Ursic twice, which I think he'll do. Ursic is so different and so unique in the world of heavyweight boxing right now. Like, Ngannou, I think, was six foot five and extremely big, strong and heavy, right? And I, I think he was boxing southpaw, which is quite interesting. Ursic is six foot three. Uh, come, he came up from cruiserweight, which, so he used to fight at 90.5 kilos. He probably fights at no more than 100 to 105 kilos. But he's an incredible scientific boxer. He's got an incredible chin, and he hits pretty damn hard. He cleaned up Anthony Joshua over two fights. So you would have thought that Ursic wouldn't be big enough to compete with Tyson Fury, but, I, I, mate, I would have to say it'll be one... It'll be a fascinating fight 
if you know when it when it gets made. I know they've already signed the contracts. Tyson Fury said that on a number of occasions. ESX said I'm ready to go December 23. I'm guessing after that surprise result on the weekend, Tyson Fury wants to put it back a little bit, which won't be a problem, because when you're talking about two parties or three parties in particular, one the Saudi government, they're keen to make it happen. They called that first fight the Riddia season of boxing, which was uh, on Sunday night. So they expect to have a season, a minimum three more fights. They've actually set up their own um, promotional company called Skills Entertainment, would you believe? So they're taking boxing very, very seriously. And then, of course, you've got Ursic, who is signed to that Skills Entertainment. And, uh, of course, that's owned by the Saudi government. So it's fair to say he'll be fronting up. And Tyson Fury, these will be the biggest, two biggest paydays of his life. So he will be fronting up. So these things are going to take place. Has he gone a, a year too long? He's 35 years of age. To be fair, he hasn't had a massive amount of fights. you know. And I, I think he'll be... I think you'll find in the next fight, which will be a real fight for him, because it, you know this was a bit of a what a celebrity fight for one of a better term. I think you'll find that he'll take the next one, you know, in his mind maybe a little bit more seriously than what he did with this, because he probably thought he was going to walk over and go. And I think anyone fighting at two o'clock in the morning uh, is going to have trouble adjusting to that time frame. And I had I have no idea if he knew that was the time that they're going to be fighting, you know. Um, so it's, maybe it was a hard adjustment to make. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs, but I do know that people sometimes don't always perform at their best, and Tyson Fury most certainly did not do that. Well, it's not the first time as we've seen that kind of boxing uh, UFC crossover. Of course, the Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor uh, was the, the sideshow that uh, had the fight world talking for so long. Is this a case of kind of diminishing returns on, on that? So trying the same formula for big money, not quite though the same level of success? Well, I think, um, look, you, you're not going to know the, the Saudi government fronted with all the money and took all the risk and if they got a return you know i'm sure they're going to measure it more than a dollar return they're going to measure it in how much publicity they got and how many eyes are on the kingdom and how much mm. social media it generated and you have to say with the array of stars that they had assembled everyone from the undertaker to vince mcmahon all the way through to floyd mayweather larry holmes mike tyson and cristiano ronaldo mate that was the focus of uh, world social media and um so, you know, the, the Saudi kingdom are sport-washing. There's no doubt about that. And, mate, they did a very good job of it. They put on what I thought was an overly long production, and I didn't quite like the music. I think there's better things they could have done. But, mate, it was slick. It was professional. And, uh, you know, here we are, four or five days later, talking about a fight that happened in Saudi Arabia. Go back 10 years ago, and nobody would have thought that would be the case. No, that's fair, and, and uh, there's, you know, no one in this country uh, knows more about the the world of uh, celebrity and, and drawing a, a crowd to a fight uh, than, than you, uh, Dino, and of course Fight for Life uh, is such a successful concept of bringing celebrities together. We, we're seeing a lot of it, and then like I think of the Paul brothers um, and their uh, their encounters, uh, what we're seeing here with, uh, with MMA versus boxing. Is, do you think the appetite's growing? Are people getting sick of it? Where, where do you see it? Oh, I think the appetite internationally is growing there's no doubt about that logan the paul brothers have done an incredible job with their youtubers there's a company called misfits boxing which is operated in the uk with uh, a major promoter called wasserman um and they did a the logan paul ksi fight a couple of weeks ago yep. and apparently that sold something in excess of 1.3 million pay-per-views in the uk at a price of about probably 30 pounds now if you split that 50 50 that's, uh, I don't know, what is that, 15 times a million? That's 15 million quid plus another 300. You're probably talking close to 20 million quid turnover just on pay-per-view. It's pretty significant. 
Yeah. Do you think it dilutes the sport? Because obviously, it, with all sports, do you know, you know, uh, it's like there's the purists, right? The well, purists who want to see it done a certain way. Does it have any any kind of watering down of of credibility or or focus? I don't think so. I think what it does is it brings new eyes to the sport, and if the if the eyes come to the sport and they and they like it, you know, um, they might start to tune into real boxing. And at the end of the day, real boxers just have to get on the front foot and become famous, and that's that's how you make money. And the reason why these guys are getting eyeballs and people are prepared to pay their 30 quid or whatever they're paying is because they're uh, they're famous and they're supplying entertainment. And at the end of the day, that's what all sport's about. And I think there's been a lot of um, discussion after Sunday's effort from the All Blacks versus the Springboks as to whether that was entertaining. The answer is dead flat no. And uh, they have issues. And I've heard many people say that that was the greatest advertisement for the NRL of all time. It's been a popular school of thought, certainly here on SCNZ as well with Kempe. Uh, as, as far as you mentioned before, you were being in touch with uh, with Joe Parker. What, a, a, an important one for him. Any thoughts on, on what the weekend held for him? Oh, look, and please don't get me wrong. It's not a long exchange of, uh, of discussion. No, no. It's just a, couple of te- just a couple of text messages. But there's a lot of people have no idea about boxing or Joe Parker. And I listened to a, a, someone talking about, I think on Monday, might have been Monday, and they were saying, you know, how Joe's not well positioned. They are kidding themselves. Here's what's going to happen. Joe Parker is in the best possible position he could be. He's about six or seven at the moment in both the IBF and the WBO. Now, he won two regional belts or two intercontinental, intercontinental belts on the weekend. They're the most valuable belts outside of a world title, which means when you win them, you move up the rankings. Now, this is what's going to happen. When Tyson Fury and Alexander Ursik fight for the first time, that'll be a unification of all four belts. So let's just say that happens in February. Joe Parker will fight on the undercard of that fight because him and Tyson are tight. Then when they fight again on the next thing, the IBF, at the very minimum, will force the belt to be stripped of whoever has that IBF world title belt. The reason they'll do that is that uh, Herkovich, who is the mandatory contender, is in line right now to be fighting for the IBF world title. So whoever, out of their second fury, whoever wins that IBF title and they fight a second time, they will be stripped of that belt. Now that will see number one and two. I think it's Herkovich and Wallen will fight for the world title. Joe will be close to number three in the world by that stage, meaning he's just got to win one more fight, and, mate, he's in a world title fight for the IBF title against two guys he can very much beat. So Joe Parker is perfectly positioned right now uh, to come back and, and to win a world title, and it's just people who don't understand that do not understand boxing. Liking what I'm hearing, Dino. And just finally, mate, obviously yourself with uh, DNL events, you've got some uh, very talented young Kiwi fighters on your books, of course, uh, that's, that's what's going on with you. Obviously, uh, Miyamoto and the, the Peach Boxing. Yeah, mate, we've got a, a, a double world title fight on December 2 in Fongaray at Mackay uh, Stadium. And that really excited about that. Um, we've got Miyamoto uh, is fighting a, a young Indian lass called Char Chandri. Sarah Chandra, I think it is. And, mate, she can really fight. We've seen her fight in Australia, and she's she's a lot taller than Mia. Uh, she'll be fighting for the IBO World Bantamweight title we've also got Lani Daniels on the card and Lani's an exceptional young lady you know she's the current IBF world heavyweight champion and then of course we've also got Jerome Pampalone who uh, in about a month's time comes out of his plumbing apprenticeship to become a full-time licensed plumber so the world's toughest tradie will be (laughs) on uh, he's on the card as well and we're bringing down a guy called Porky Medina 
Now, Porky's, it's only his nickname. The guys actually can really fight. He's been in with upwards of seven guys who, can, who have fought for the world title. And, mate, it's a fight we've got for Jerome because we want to test him. The last two fights that Jerome had, we expect him to go at least, you know, between eight and ten rounds. He knocked out both guys, uh, Mosey Alatanga, in, in the first time round, and Mosey had never been stopped. And then he, he, he wiped out that kid, um, I can't remember his name, but he wiped him out in the first round. And he, and he wiped out Mosey in the first round. I think of Jerome Pampelone, you've got the hottest prospect this country's ever seen in boxing, and that's a, that's a big statement when you talk about the likes it of is. Joseph Parker and David Tua. But uh, in Jerome, you know, we've had two male superstars of boxing and those two boys. You're about to see a third, and Jerome's on his way. And Isaac Peach, who, who coaches me, he coaches uh, Andre Mikhailovich, and he coaches Jerome. He says Jerome's by far and away the best he's got, and I can promise you this, mate. Jerome is one excitement machine, and uh, the world's toughest trade is about to go to a whole new level. He's number six in the IBF at the moment. I fully expect him to be fighting for world title inside the next 12 months, and uh, Las Vegas bound we are. Dino, you sold me on the world's toughest trader. You know, you got the gift, mate. Oh, that's me. You locked me in. I loved it. Uh, all right, Dino, all the best, mate, uh, and looking forward to hearing more about those events as we get closer to them. Appreciate your time today. Dean Lonigan. Appreciate the call.